Good morning, church. Good morning. Welcome to Summit and Advent Part 2. Um, this morning we are talking about joy. Joy, um, which is one of my favorite things. I love and I believe wholeheartedly that Christians should be I'm just watching. The most joyful people, if that is not a demonstration of Summit and our joy this morning, welcome, now you know. Welcome to the family. (laughs) But we are talking about joy because Advent and Christmas and Jesus coming to earth as a baby being born is a joyful thing. And I hope you know that this morning. And I hope in the songs that we sang that you saw that and in this message you're going to see that as well. But really, starting to write this out, it occurred to me, and, and, and I realized that in talking with some people, that joy builds on hope. So this is, I love that this comes after hope, because I think so much of what joy is comes from hope. Specifically, hope realized. Now, who has hoped for something before? Any of you ever been daring enough to hope for something? Yep. Okay, has anybody ever been disappointed? (laughs) Oh, by something that you're hoped for, like the Hobbit movies, yes? If you know, you know, yes, yes. Or every season as a Jets fan, okay? (laughs) You hope for something, so who can, give me, do you have something that that you hoped for? And Dave, you're nodding your head voraciously. Do you have something? No? Okay. Did somebody have something that they hoped for and was like, this is not what I put on my Christmas wish list? A job. Okay. Yeah. How many of you signed up and applied and started a job and then got there and realized this is not what I signed up for? (laughs) Yeah. One more. Guys, Argentina is still in. We're good, okay? What if nobody... Okay, never mind. We won't spoil that. We won't spoil that. Yeah. Um, but, but we hope for things and often are disappointed. Because we had in our mind, hey, this is going to be this thing, and it's going to be awesome. And then we get it, and it's like, okay, this is, this is not what was on the website, this was not the product description, and, and we're, we're disappointed. But what I, what, what I think joy comes from, and what I talked about hope fulfilled, is, is when we hope for something, and it's exactly what we, what we wanted. Sometimes even more so. And that is the case with us here today, talking about joy, anticipating, looking forward to the birth of Christ. Is that there were people who were looking forward and anticipating something, and they got it. But I think that joy is so a part of this season. Specifically, in the songs that we sing. So I want to run through some of these, and maybe you know the songs, maybe you know the names, but 
just thinking about this, and the mountains in reply echoing their joyous strains, shepherd, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? Anybody? There you go. All right, point to stand. Uh, O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. O tidings of comfort and joy. You guys are good. Uh, God, uh, good Christian men rejoice. That's a trick question because that's the name of the song. Yeah. (laughs) Which I didn't even know that was a song, but I'm glad I know now. Uh, Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. Hark. Hark. Very good. Joyful, uh, oh, joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, flood, floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat, in case you missed it, the sounding joy. Joy to the world. Sang that this morning. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee. Um, O come, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Shall come to thee, O Israel. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. Guys are good. Yeah. Yeah. That God would do that for us, I think, is behind the motivation of so many of those songs. That they witnessed something that was so amazing that they came up with these lyrics and these songs. And when I was in high school, I remember... This was more to prove a point and win an argument with my friends because I was that kind of kid in high school. But it was around Christmas time and I was just, I think I put it out on maybe MySpace way back when. But I, but I made a comment that Christmas and Christians and Christian, Christmas music was the happiest music in the world. I think as a response to this event. And so to, to dive into this, I think I want to go to the two stories of Jesus' birth in Scripture, Luke 2 and Matthew 2, because in both of those stories, it is an event marked by joy. It's mentioned, joy is mentioned in both of them, which I think is important. If we see something coming up again and again, if it's repeated, if we see it in multiple places, that's because there's an emphasis there. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. Um, So we're starting with the wise men who were in the east, and as was in that day, they watched the sky. They looked at the stars, they traced the stars, there weren't as many lights back then and light pollution, so the sky was so much more clear and you could see the stars. And they saw something, they saw something in the sky, something that was different, something that was unique, that led them to Israel. So if you're there, um, 
Matthew chapter 2, verse 7. So they had seen the star, they had come, they had come to Herod because they said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So that was what they saw in the sky. They saw something that told them the king of the Jews had been born. So verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men and secretly ascertained... uh, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them. Until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. So you can flip over to to Luke chapter 2, that's where we're going to go next. But this piece here in Matthew, they rejoiced which in, in, in that language, rejoiced is a verb. So joy, joy is a noun and a verb. It's, a, it's who we are, it's how we feel, but it's also a verb that you can experience and joy as a verb. And so rejoice is the English word for that. So they are going, they are following this star that has guided them. Put that in your notes, that has guided them. God was guiding them to this place so that they could have joy. And that guiding, their response to that was to experience joy and was to rejoice because God was leading them to the Savior. God was guiding them, directing them to where salvation was. And that for me, that God is leading us and calling us and beckoning us creates in me joy, that God would want me to know him, that God would lead these wise men to Mary and Jesus and Joseph. So then in Luke chapter 2, if you want to turn over, there's another story. The birth of Jesus Christ. So that we're going to start in verses 8 and go to 12. And in the same region where the shepherds were out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you this day, uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And so this morning, I want to take us through how specifically Jesus and his birth and this season that we are in and all those songs that we sing, why that's a cause for joy. Why 
that should give us joy this morning. So I want to look at it from these two passages, how the birth of Jesus is a cause of joy, and then I want to look at what joy actually is, what joy looks like, and then finally end with some practical ways that we can live out joy. Because as much as we are in this season, as much as we hear the songs and see the decorations and go to the parties, there's a, there's a reality that for many people, this time of year is very hard. And the last thing that they want to talk about and the last thing that they are feeling is joy. And so I want to leave you this morning with some ways that if that's something that you're struggling with, if that's something that you're walking through, how do we reclaim that joy? How do we feel the joy that we're told is, is here for us this season? And so to start, the birth of Jesus is a cause for joy. Why? It is for all people. That was in the passage from Luke 2, verse 10. When God sent his son to earth, it was not for a select group of people. You are not left out of that. That message, that hope, right, is for you and is for me. It's available to all people, which includes us. When God sent his son to earth, it was for the whole earth, which means that that joy, that salvation in Jesus is available for us today. And the second thing is that who Jesus was is a cause for joy. The Savior is here. Again, in Luke 10, a Savior is born. The event was something that people were anticipating for years. The wise men were watching the stars and saw a sign of king. Why were they watching the stars? They were looking. They were searching. They were waiting for signs. And they were seeing what was happening. The Jewish shepherds lived in a culture that waited for their coming Messiah or Savior. Maybe we've been waiting for something for a very, very long time. And we wonder if God has forgotten what we are waiting for. And I think the Jews might have felt that way. Because they were now, at this time, under Roman rule. But they knew and they clung to this promise. Then the third thing in that is that the hope is fulfilled. All of their waiting, all of our waiting, the thing that we are hoping for is here. When we read about the accounts of Jesus calling his disciples in John chapter 1, there's two instances with Andrew and, and um, Peter and then Philip and Nathaniel. Where Andrew and, and Philip meet Jesus. And they experience who he is. And when they meet him, they have an encounter with him. And they know who this man is. They understand the significance. And so Andrew runs to Peter. I need to get your attention. I need you to know something. I've met a man. He's the one we've been waiting for. You need to come and see Philip runs to Nathaniel and says, I met a man. 
He is the hope. He is the promise of Moses from all those years ago that's written in Scripture. You need to come and see. He's finally here. The waiting is over. He's here. And Nathaniel has this smart-ass response of, of, well, what good can, can come from Nazareth? Because, because Philip says, well, he's in Nazareth. And Nathaniel goes, oh, well, that's not how I expected it to be. What good can come from Nazareth? And I imagine Philip just being like, come on, stop it, let's go. <laughs> because there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a zeal, there's a passion, there's, a, there's an insistence of, okay, I'm going to let that one slide, you really do need to come and see, because this is for real. Because when we encounter Jesus and experience him and know that all of our hope, all of our longing, the wait for that is over. Your hope for restoration, your hope for healing from brokenness, your hope for meaning and purpose and life and community, your hope for all the things that is missing because of sin is over. You don't need to wait any longer. The shepherds did not need to wait. The angel was saying, it's here. Which I love that they went to these shepherds out in the middle of the field, in the middle of night, and chose them. I love that Jesus chooses us for that message. When we feel like maybe it should belong to someone else. I don't deserve that message of hope. I don't deserve that message of salvation. God is calling us. He's beckoning us. He's saying, please, would you come? I have good news for you. My Savior, your Savior, is born. And that is cause for joy. That God sent his Son, that he loved us so much, he said, I'm doing this for you because I love you. And you don't have to wait anymore. You don't have to, to, to handle the burden of life without Christ. The emptiness, the, the, the missing God-shaped hole in our heart can be filled now. And that is a cause for joy. So, I hope you see that. I hope you see in Jesus a cause for joy, that he is bringing us everything that we need. That he has given us hope for life eternal. And it is a hope that is sure to not disappoint. Your promise is secure. Heaven is waiting for us. So what does joy, what does joy look like? When we have it, when we embrace Christ and when we accept that gift and recognize it as our own, what does that look like? And the first thing that kind of might come as a bit of a surprise is fun. Who is expecting that one? To think that joy and this, this that we're going to be talking about this morning is something called fun. We had, we had a staff meeting on Thursday, like a day long, just planning, looking at next year, 
and, and really putting some things down. And at the end of the day, um, Travis, he, he, we had the giant post-it notes, and Travis puts up one more. And I was like, what are we doing? Like, we're running out of time. I didn't know, like, he's got something. And so he wrote in big letters, F-U-N. And I was like, all right, um, acronym. What's it stand for? What's the F? <laughs> I'm going to figure this out before he says it. I've got this, you know, seminary education paying off. Um, because I couldn't, I couldn't conceive in my mind that we would just talk about, hey, what are some fun things that we can do at Summit? Like, what a foreign concept. So watch out, because 2023, we're going to have some fun. But this idea that Christians should have fun. I heard a story one time of a pastor that was, uh, he was, parked outside a church, and he was watching people on their way into church. And he said it looked like they were on their way into the dentist. And he said when they came out, it looked like they had been to the dentist <laughs> without dental insurance. Yeah. But I think that God saved us not so that we could be miserable. I don't think he sent Christ to earth so that we could be miserable. I think we should be the most fun people around. That people should want to come and hang out with us because we've got something and we know how to have real, genuine fun. They accused Jesus of being a drunkard and going to these parties where he was eating and, and, and dining with sinners. And they're like, that's not, you're not supposed to, what are you doing? And yet I think that joy is a response to the goodness of God. Where God wants you to delight in him and have joy in this life. Joy has been described as a feeling when life is as it should be, when we are experiencing what God's plan for us is. And I need to, I need to, I need to, I, I'm going to address it later. I don't need to talk about it here. Okay, second thing. It's fun. We, joy looks like fun. Joy looks like celebration. How do you celebrate? I mean, watching that World Cup and seeing those people, when they score a goal, they celebrate. But I think about this as a celebration. Every week we come together for a party and celebrate. At sporting events, we celebrate when we cheer. Now, I'm not asking you to come with giant foam fingers and vuvuzelas and body paint you know, in Summit Teal. You don't need to do that. But we celebrate every week when we gather. We sing. Some of you dance. That's okay. You can dance. David danced. He celebrated. But we need to celebrate what Christ has done. When we take communion, we are celebrating the, the memory and, and the sacrifice that that Jesus paid for us. 
So I hope that's part of it. The, the, the third thing is freedom. Right? Joy looks like freedom. Your first day of summer vacation. Some of you, that was a while ago. Maybe your first day of retirement. I don't Maybe. But freedom. Because Jesus came to set us free. And I think when we are finally set free from the bondage of sin, there is joy in that. I am no longer bound. That is a cause for joy. And we can celebrate that. And we can live in that freedom. Then finally, happiness. Which sometimes people will say that happiness and joy are not the same things. Because there's this, there's this understanding that, that joy is separate from our present circumstances. So like I can have joy even though I'm unhappy. And that happiness is just based on your circumstances. But, but this is a hard one. And I get it. Because sometimes happiness is hard. And we feel like we need to put on a mask and wear the smile and, and pretend like we're happy. But I'll let you know there, there are some times where the last thing I want to be is happy. That is just not what I want to do. Because Jesus assures us and he promises us that in this world we will have trouble. But when you get down to it, can you be full of joy and sad? Sometimes we need to just press through. And I'm not saying that we need to ignore the difficult circumstances that we're going through. And I'm not saying that you need to pretend like the pain of what you're dealing with is not real. But there are times where we need to be disciplined about looking at Christ and remembering what he's done and focusing on being happy. Focusing on, okay, I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose to be happy. There are things that I can right now direct my mind, direct my attention to. There are things that I can go to. There are practices that I've, that I've recorded and put down that for these times That can bring me happiness. Because, because joy is, right, joy is, is a fixed thing. But I don't think we can be joyful and sad. And I want us to be happy. So fun, celebration, freedom, and happiness are, three, are four things that joy looks like. That is available to us. So finally... Looking at this, so we know what joy looks like, but how do we live with it? How does that become a part of our life? How do we become joyful people? Because like I said, it's a discipline. It's something that we can train ourselves in so that the things that come against us, and we all face them, we all encounter obstacles and trials that are going to attack our joy. And I don't want to be naive to think that, that it's all going to be rainbows and unicorns and sunshine. 
But if we can train ourselves and lean into Christ so that we can grow in our joyfulness and that we can experience more of his joy and happiness, I think that in itself is a testimony to the people around us. When people ask us, what is going on? You are so happy and full of joy. It's bothering me because I want to be miserable. And this world is so miserable, so you should be miserable too, right? You should be weighed down by the things of this world. So many people around us are. And when you, when, yet when we have this assurance, when we lean into Christ, we can live with joy. Psalm 105.3 says, uh, says, Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Rejoice being that, that joy verb. Those, the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. So even in this season, even this year, if you have come to see Christmas as a commercial holiday, if you are tired of Christmas music by December 1st, then... then <laughs> then take this as an opportunity this year to lean into joy and to choose that. To seek the Lord and find joy in Him and Christ. So three things that that we can do to live with joy. First thing is to look at what you have. Maybe not in your present moment, right? And we talked about that that maybe it's hard in this present moment when you look at what you have or don't have to find joy. But look at what we have. If we cling to the Savior born on Christmas, there can always be hope for joy. And that hope can never be taken away. Your future, your reward Uh, your renewed relationship with God is something that no one can ever take away from you. That is always going to be there, no matter what. No matter what dark night of the soul you're going through, Christ and his sacrifice and his salvation that is yours is not going anywhere. Look at what you have. There are things that we have that can give us joy. Instead of focusing on what we don't have, there are things that we do have. Always, if we look for them, if we set our minds, set our eyes, if we focus our attention on the things that we do have, we can find joy. Second thing is to look at the small things. It's easy to find joy in the big things, right? Your wedding day, your promotion, birth of a child, the big celebrations. But there is joy when we have Christ and when we accept 
and realize what Christmas means and are renewed. We find joy in everything. In the small things. It's just a shift in the way that we perceive our life. It's a shift in the way that we look at things. From, from folding laundry to washing dishes. Like I'm, I feel like I'm pressing in to some hard places this morning where folding laundry is something that you have to do. Or you just get your kids to do it. It teaches responsibility, right? It's good parenting. But how can we find joy in even the small things? Going back to the first one. Thankful that we have clothes to wear. Thankful that we have a washer and dryer to clean them with. Thankful that we can take care of our family. And it's not even, I mean, there, there's, there's, there's a way that we can do that for the difficult things, but also just in the world around us. Finding joy in the sunrise. Finding joy in nature, in God's creation, in the people around you, in everyday things. seeing how God is in them and has given them as a gift. Seeing how God has done all of this for us. So joy is a change in our perspective of every aspect in our life. Where it goes from, and we say this all the time, where it goes from a have to to a get to. Instead of I have to do these things, I get to do these things. And God has given me the ability to do them. And again, this might be a discipline for us where we need to, in those moments when we are feeling frustrated, go to God and say, can you show me joy in this, in this moment? Can you show me joy in this situation? Because I am not feeling it. But we can, we can do that in the small things. And then fu- the, the third one is looking to obey. Which is hard because how do you, how, if I have to obey, how do I find joy in that? But Richard Foster says to elicit genuine celebration, obedience must work itself out into the ordinary fabric of our daily lives. There will be times where we need to obey God in our joyfulness. Because when we have Christ and are following him, we understand that, that obeying God is going to bring us the most joy. Because we need to trust that God loves us so much that his will for us is the best choice that we could make. Not that God is some distant off, you know, up in heaven just looking to punish us and making sure we do the right thing. But that God loves us. Demonstrated by sending his son. 
and calling us. Jim talked about that yesterday morning at men's breakfast, that there is a call for each and every one of you that if we would just obey and follow him, we would find joy in that. Because if we're not obeying, if we're not obeying God, who are, who are we following? Who are we obeying? The world? Do you think the world has your best intentions at heart? Myself? I do not do well when I follow my own desires. That does not end well for me. And so even though it might go against my, my flesh, there are times where we will need to obey God and we will need to celebrate even if we don't feel like it. Because God's will, God's intention and what he wants for us is better than anything we could ask or come up with ourselves. So there's a way in all of these, if you're struggling, if you're feeling like, I just don't see it, to call out to him, to ask him, to say, God, would you show me in this moment how I can have joy and watch him show up because he is faithful to do that. And so I want to read one more passage from John chapter 15 because God, uh, Jesus came into this world with joy. In both situations, God came into this world with joy and in John 15, we see that he leaves this world with joy. So it's there at the beginning of his life and it's there at the end of his life. So he's speaking to his disciples and he's wrapping up and he's basically giving them this message before he leaves earth. And he wants to leave them with these words and he wants to make sure that they are equipped for when he goes. But verses 8 through 11 Say this. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Not a half full, not a fake full, not a temporary, but that the joy of Jesus might be in them. Which just reinforces that Jesus began his life and ends it with joy. Abide in his love. Keep his commandments. There is a fullness of joy that is available for us. So as the worship team comes, I just want to leave you with that, that Christ came to bring us joy, to make a way to repair our relationship with him. And that is reason to celebrate. Not a reason to fear, but that God, like the prodigal father, has run out to meet us. 
It's not a reason to fear. But God is meeting us and he's calling us and beckoning us with the promise that this is a good message, the best message that has ever been shared. And so I pray as we sing this song that we remember who Jesus was and what his birth means for us, the opportunity that's available for us. So would you bow your heads with me? God, you did not have to send your son, but you did it because you love us and you made a way for us to experience a new relationship, a restored relationship with you. And so I pray this morning, if anyone is struggling with that, I pray if someone feels like God is far off and there is no hope or joy, God, that you would remind them that they don't have to feel that. God, that they don't have to live in shame or sadness or regret. But God, that you want them to feel joy that you sent your son so that they could experience it, that, so that they could be free from sin. So God, we thank you for sending your son and for the promise that it represents. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.